Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast that explores mental health, especially for folks of color. I'm your host, Jonzel Anderson. I'm a licensed therapist and owner of Panoramic Counseling in Richmond, Virginia. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Hello, everyone. I am excited and a little nervous, actually, to be back on the podcast. The last episode that I published was at the very end of June, which means that I've had a full two months since I've recorded or uh, published a podcast episode. I have had quite a bit going on in life and Obviously, I've been doing this podcast for a few years now, so I try to uh, stick with the original kind of goal or mission of the podcast, which is to uh, discuss things related to mental health, uh, especially for communities of color. And so as I was thinking about what I should do to kind of get started with this fall season on the podcast, I figured I would just give some updates about some things that have been going on with me uh, since I last posted something to the podcast. You know, I can use myself as an example of a person of color who uh, is going through things related to mental health, whether it be the fact that I'm a therapist, but also the fact that, you know, I live with a anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and also life has just been lifing for the past few months for the good and some for the more challenging side of life. But regardless, I have been very excited to get on here and just talk with y'all. So to get started, I guess I'll talk about the past month. This is September 1st as I'm recording this. At the end of July, I decided that I wanted to try a social media detox. Uh, I was reading a book called Rest is Resistance. I am not recalling the author off the top of my head, but in that book, The author was talking about how, obviously, there's lots of research out there talking about the mental health impacts of, you know, excessive social media use or impacts of living your life on the internet. And one of the suggestions as far as like rest and self-care that that author had given was to take what she called a social media sabbatical. From what I gather, a social media sabbatical is logging out of your social media accounts for a determined period of time and, you know, focusing on other things, uh, resting, you know, engaging with uh, more analog or, um, you know, in-person sort of tasks. So as of this recording, I have not been on my Instagram threads or Twitter accounts since the end of July. And so far, I... I think I it was it was needed for me. Um, I don't think that I uh, would consider myself someone who excessively uses uh, social media, but um, I can say that I'm a person who gets impacted by the you know social media paints the picture of you know the highlight reel the the best parts of people's lives which is good to see i always love seeing people make accomplishments and you know creativity and different things that people can do i think social media um, has a lot of benefits to us however 
there's also the downside, I think, you know, with a lot of the clients I work with, but also just in my own kind of experiences, it is a place where comparison thrives. And one of my favorite quotes that I try to remember is, comparison is a thief of joy. So if you spend enough time comparing yourself with what your friends are seemingly doing or whatever, you tend to, those levels of depression and anxiety tend to increase. And research shows that the more time you spend on social media, the uh, greater the impact on mental health is. So all I can say is that I haven't been on for the past month. And I was just talking with my therapist yesterday, which I'll get into in a little bit, because I was thinking, okay, well, I, I did a month. My orig- my goal is to wait until after the beginning of October when I come back from my uh, writer's retreat, which I'll also talk about a little bit later on in this episode, to go back on social media. And I was, you know, I was having a therapy session. I was like, well, maybe I should go back on because I'm going to, you know, record this podcast episode and I tend to promote my new episodes on Instagram. And we kind of went down the line and said, well, what are the pros and cons? And, and more so I asked myself the question, I'm like, well, what, what is there to gain from going back on social media early? And quite frankly, my answer was not a goddamn thing. I don't think that social media really gives me, um, it doesn't offer me very much. Yes, there are people that I made connections with. Yes, there, there are funny things that you could look at and entertain yourself for a period of time. But with where I'm at, and again, I'm going to get into some of the stuff that I've been going through. But where I'm at right now, I don't think that logging back in before I had planned to is going to add any value to the goals and things that I have going on. So I'm going to ride out the social media sabbatical and um, really just take the time to, you know, focus on some of the other things that are taking up priority in my life. So Speaking of which, a big thing about my uh, social media presence, at least the thing that gets the most engagement, is I have an adorable uh, toddler. Her name is Maya Jane, for those of you who don't know. And I oftentimes will post pictures of her and the, the different things that she's up to. And Maya Jane has been going through some transitions herself uh, during these past couple of months. So up until Last week, she had been attending a private uh, preschool. That was like the first place that we kind of tried, you know, she was born three months uh, before the pandemic hit. So, you know, I was kind of a stay-at-home dad during those first two years of her life while, of course, you know, running my therapy business, you know, online and, you know, also taking care of her, right? And so when we got to the point where we knew that she needed to be around other kids and she needed that, you know, instruction kind of to start learning some things. We put her into a preschool and we saw her thrive and learn a lot and get used to routines and things like that. But as time went on, we started to realize that she was not meeting certain milestones. So um, she's currently diagnosed with global developmental delay. We're told that this is, um, there's been an uptick of this uh, for children who were born before or during the pandemic due to the isolative nature of 
you know, how things went. Maya Jane is also an only child and she's always going to be an only child. So the ability to have, you know, uh, siblings or, you know, just other uh, kids to play with and to develop her language and skills with is rather limited. So putting her in school was very important. But as time went on, we we found out like she had some hearing issues. So she got tubes and she kept getting ear infections. So we took her and she ended up having like three more surgeries to correct, you know, issues with hearing and stuff like that. She had a, a tongue tie that had to be clipped. And so her speech and her even ability to hear, but as a result, also her, you know, just language development and stuff like that was delayed. And so she has developmental and speech delays. And we've engaged with like speech therapy, occupational therapy. And more recently, we have gone through the public school system to get her an individualized education plan, which is also known as IEP. They did a bunch of testing and basically she met the criteria for special education services. So even though she's like three little over three and a half, she's able to now start going to school, um, a special education preschool where she will receive, you know, instruction to help with those developmental delays such as, you know, potty training and, you know, occupational therapy, you know, fine motor skills, being able to, you know, do the social tasks with same age peers and, you know, just work on her language development. And there's just a lot that is built into that. And well, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I actually was, when I was an undergrad, I was going to be an elementary school teacher. And that did not end up being what I chose to do because I did some internships and I was like, working with little kids is not what I want to do. So, but I do have a minor in elementary education. So I know how to write an IEP and I know how that that kind of process works. Well, I'm also married to a school counselor. So she's very, you know, versed in how the process works as well. So we really advocated for Maya Jane to make sure that everything that could have possibly been included in the IEP was there. And it got signed literally the last second before school started because we were holding out to make sure that everybody was doing everything that they could and um, that they weren't just trying to speed up the process or gloss over what Maya Jane's specific needs were. So the IEP has been signed. Um, and because of that, she was had to move out of her private preschool and into a, a school setting. But also that required us to put her in a different daycare because, you know, you have to have support before and after school because school is only three hours long for, you know, three and a half year old. So big, huge change for her. This is Friday as I'm recording this. So this is her first full week of being at school. Well, she missed Monday because we went down to UVA to see the developmental specialist there, which is another thing because we've been having her evaluated. You know, she got the diagnosis for global developmental delay and they, you know, some specialists and people that we've talked to who are not qualified sometimes to give a diagnosis would throw around the word autism. And that's not to say that if Maya Jane does or did end up getting an autism diagnosis, that that is a problem or that folks with autism are 
any less deserving of support and services than those who don't have the diagnosis. But the frustration was that people were saying that they thought Maya Jane had autism without one being qualified to give the diagnosis, but two, without even knowing our child. So when we went on uh, Monday to UVA and they continued to do more evaluation, uh, they basically said, yeah, we can rule out autism at this time. And it's an ongoing evaluation. Like if certain developmental delays and behaviors are still there, say when she's five years old, they might revisit that. But as of right now, they are pretty certain that that's not the direction that her um, potential diagnosis or challenges might be. Um, so we did learn that we can rule out autism for the time being. Um, she, Her formal diagnosis is just global developmental delay. And if you think about it, a kid who sits in isolation in the middle of a global pandemic with everything, you know, think about all the adults around you have masks on all the time. You can't see their lips moving. You can barely hear them. And on top of that, you can barely hear because your ears are clogged up because you have chronic ear infections and drainage and all of that stuff that needed to be corrected with surgery. I mean, if you put together all the pieces, Maya Jane is at the level she is and is doing the best that she can based on the circumstances, you know. Um, and, you know, as her parents, we advocate and make sure that she can get, you know, everything that she needs and the services, the surgeries, the medical attention, the, you know, uh, behavioral health, um, support services, the speech, the uh, OT services, the different things, the IEP, the uh, working with the uh, community service board to get additional services and things like that, which is a bitch and a half because bureaucracy is wow. It is, you know, I've worked in mental health for eight years. I know that the systems are broken, but I cannot, you know, I think of it as, you know, I'm a I'm a therapist. My wife is a school counselor. We engage with these different community supports and things like that on behalf of the the folks that we help in our careers. And we know the systems pretty well, but then when you're trying to advocate for something for your own child, you're in a different position and you're more equipped to speak up and get what you need, but at the same time I can't help but empathize for the folks who don't have as much expertise in knowing how to work with the, this red tape and these systems because I, I mean, sometimes it feels like you just want to give up and be like, oh, well, I guess this is how it is, right? And it, it's just heartbreaking that it, they make it so difficult to get what you need for your child, even though you're paying taxes, even though you're paying their salary, right? It's real, it's real, it's like stupid things, like people don't answer the phone or they don't call you back. Or if you make an appointment, people don't show up to the appointment or they don't send you the Zoom link or whatever. It's just really frustrating. So we've been navigating that. And so far, Maya Jane is getting the support services that she needs. She seems to be really happy in the adjustment uh, to her new school situation. She gets on a school bus to go between the daycare and her school and then back. Um, and that's the first time she's ever been on a school bus. So um, she seems to be doing quite well. Um, we get little updates and the apps from the school and from the, the daycare that kind of send us pictures and let us know what she's doing. So that is uh, pretty cool. 
So anyway, switching gears, other things, I mean, I've been up to a lot since the last time I've been on this podcast. So a small thing, I guess you could say, is I've been focusing on some money goals. Um, I read a book called, I want to say it's How to Get Good with Money by Tiffany Alish. Alish? or I may be mispronouncing her last name. She's known on social media as the Budget Nista, uh, but I read her book. I, I learned, you know, I try to read one book on finance once a year. I also try to read a book on business uh, once a year. Um, as a person who works for myself, company of one, I like to just, you know, look at different ideas from different people who are entrepreneurs so that I can just make sure that I'm, you know, staying current with how I'm running my business. So I read her book. I learned a lot, um, helped me to get some things organized that, um, you know, I like to think I'm pretty good with money. I'm pretty frugal and organized and stuff like that, but there's always room for improvement. Um, So I have, um, you know, with that book, uh, it includes links to like some, some worksheets and things like that. So I've set like some 30-day, 60-day, and 90-day goals for myself. And I'm about 30 days into the like the first 30-day goal, and I'm absolutely crushing it, which is exciting to see. So in this time of being away from social media, kind of falling back on, you know, I up until the end of June, I was doing a podcast every single week since the beginning of December, which I love doing my mental health book club. It had much more of an impact than I could have imagined when I first started it. But as you can imagine, doing a podcast, you know, an hour and a half long podcast every week for all of those months that starts to wear you down. So I was very, it was nice to take a break and to just focus on the other elements of life. But yeah, in that time, I was like, I want to, I want to learn about, I want to learn some new things about you know, money. And so I've also got a new accountant who is fantastic, a black woman. And it, I laugh because uh, when I first met her, I saw that she also wears green glasses. And I was like, really, the criteria for a great accountant for me, a black person who wears green glasses, is to have yet another black person who is wearing green glasses. So um, that's, I, I always joke with her about that. I'm like, that was the only qualification I needed. But on top of that, she actually knows what she's doing. And she's has taught me a lot and helped me to, you know, even more fine tune the systems that I had to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to keep more of my money, you know, uh, as running a business and how taxes and everything works, you know. Um, so I've been learning a lot from her, which by the way, as I prepare for what this podcast will be this season, this fall season of 2023, um, I have just confirmed with my accountant that she will be a guest on the podcast um, very soon. So um, we're looking to record that episode in the middle of September, and um, you will be hearing that conversation um, once that happens. So definitely stay tuned for that. Hey y'all, I'm interrupting this episode to let you know how you can support my podcast, writing, and other creative projects. Head over to the show notes of this episode where you can consider buying me a coffee once or monthly, 
gift me a book from my wish list, or just leave a nice review to help others find this podcast. I know your time and money is valuable, so thank you in advance for your support. And now let's get back to the show. Shifting gears again, writing, as most of you who know me know that I I have been blogging and writing on the internet since, yikes, I want to say it's probably 2011, 2012, but I have been writing for, you know, 11, going on 12 years now. So my my voice and my ability to articulate my ideas has continued to get better. I, you know, even while I was doing the podcast, um, I started, I've had a newsletter for years through my business, but I started to really get more consistent with it this year. Uh, I want to say I'm in week I, I renamed my newsletter. It's called A Sunday Breakdown, which is kind of a, it's like a joke because I think, of, you know, of course, the the main topics are about mental health. So you, you think of, okay, mental health, a breakdown. And that's not shade towards anybody who has severe mental health issues because I am a person who has on occasion severe mental health issues. Um, so it's more so poking fun at myself, but I like the name a Sunday breakdown, right? Um, and sometimes the things that I write about on my newsletter are literally that I have, you know, maybe have been going through it that week and I'm just kind of talking about where I'm at, uh, mental health wise. And so it's literally talking about a breakdown, but a breakdown can also be a summary of different things. So it's kind of, it's got two meanings to it, but anyway, I've been consistently every single Sunday, uh, since rebranding that I, I believe I'm on week 25, 26. And so with writing, I've consistently put that out. And that's something that I'm very proud about. And I actually, uh, last week when I posted the newsletter, uh, someone had written me back and, you know, people can, you know, if you follow my newsletter, all you have to do is hit respond or reply to the email and you can talk directly to me. But I want to read uh, an email that I got from someone last week and the newsletter, that one was number 26. So it was a Sunday breakdown number 26. And so I'm just going to read the email and then I'll give a little bit of context. So she said, first of all, I just want to say how inspirational and amazing your content is. Also, I love the consistency. It seems like you're rolling with the punches and trying not to stress about the factors that you can't control. Big up to you. Um, and I had spoken in that newsletter about um, how I have reduced my caffeine consumption for my mental health because I have anxiety. Caffeine is a stimulant. Add that to anxiety. It's not a good mix. But you couldn't have told me any different because I was drinking iced coffee like it was my job. So I cut back because, you know, focusing on mental health to just my two cups of coffee with breakfast. But anyway, she responded to that part. So she said, caffeine is honestly so hard to shake. I associate iced coffee with getting work done and productivity. So it's almost like I need one in order to start working. I don't really have cravings. It's a mental thing. However, when I stop drinking it, my headaches are nuts for a few days after. Uh, she said, I hope MJ, which is Maya Jane, will thrive at her new school and program. 
you guys are definitely intervening early, which is a good thing. And so she said, keep up the amazing work. Um, And she even said that she was inspired to start her own newsletter because of seeing how consistent I had been with mine. So I really appreciated that feedback because as I posted my newsletter last week, I... um, and I'm going to get into my mental health in just a second, but I was really not having a great day. And, you know, we all have those moments where we are doing the best that we can, but we just have those insecurities or we're really going through something that's kicking our ass. So I was actually at a really low point um, that evening after posting that newsletter. Um, and then I looked at my email and I saw that response and it truly made my day. I wrote her back and I just explained to her that her taking the time to write back and first of all, that a person reads the things that I put on the internet still blows my mind. Uh, Apparently several people read what I write on the internet and listen to this podcast. So that I'm always grateful for that someone takes the time to Um, listen to my ideas and what I have to say. So the newsletter has been a big thing. um, And also in the past couple of months, I announced that I am writing my first book, which is a memoir. And I, I will say that writing a memoir, I could not have imagined the amount of emotions and energy and things that would be unearthed in writing it, but I am strapped in for the process. And I have so many great ideas and I am getting some traction with getting the writing down. I'm actually, I was selected out of only 16 slots. I was selected to attend a a writer's workshop specifically for people who are writing a memoir with the best-selling author Kwame Alexander. And that's going to be in Cape Cod in October. So I've never been that far north on the East Coast, at least. And I've never been to Massachusetts at all. Um, So I'm very um, excited to go to that writer's retreat slash workshop because not only is it like a way to get away for a little bit, but I'm specifically going to be focusing on writing my memoir and being able to learn from people who have already been down the the process of writing a memoir and publishing and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to take part in that. But yes, writing is something that I'm really prioritizing because in a way, telling the story of my last, you know, I'm 31. So um, telling the stories of my short life so far is, at least for me, very therapeutic. I, as a therapist, and just as a person who creates things and puts it on the internet, kind of my my brand or kind of theme, if you will, has always been using my own life as an example to teach things and to inspire people. And so this is just a extension of that. It's putting it all in one place and it's telling stories that people have never heard before, you know, and it's funny because I was just telling somebody the other day, I was diagnosed with panic disorder at about age 20. As I'm writing stories about my life from like early childhood, I'm laughing slash crying at the same time because I'm like, there's no way I didn't have 
an anxiety disorder at three and four as I went through these different examples, you know? And so I'm learning about myself. I'm, I'm uh, through writing these stories and it's almost like uh, it's cathartic, but it's also um, the ability to put what I've been through into a concise place for other people to possibly be inspired and learn something from. It is a gift. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with y'all whenever that is complete. But um, I don't want to give away too much because I have still got a a couple tricks up my sleeve with with that. So uh, definitely stay tuned. But moving on, I guess to a little bit more serious, but nothing too, nothing too heavy. Uh, So mental health, you know, this podcast is about mental health. And I'm often talking, you know, I'll do a book review of something mental health related, or I'll talk about my perspectives on certain topics, because I work as a therapist. Um, This is me talking about my mental health. And I, I do that through my writing and things like that. But this is more uh, situational. So um, the past two months happens to coincide with, I didn't like stop doing the podcast because of this. It just happened. I was taking a break. But in the two months that I've been away from the podcast, I have had to deal with a significant loss. um, And my therapist is helping me to understand that this is in fact grief. Uh, It's a loss of a person who did not die. Uh, It is a situation where I had to um, cut somebody out of my life. And um, it has been rather um, shattering uh, to have to navigate this loss. And my therapist has helped me to understand that while the situation itself is you know, quite devastating. Um, It can be linked back to similar things that I've been through previously that can be reactivated. So if you've had to cut people out of your life or have had relationships end in a pattern, when you encounter something new or same thing goes with grief, like if somebody has died in the past, but then somebody new dies, sometimes that grief is more intense because you're then thinking about the other person that died. So in my case, it is a significant loss because it is a person I care deeply for um, who's no longer going to be part of my life, but it's also reactivating a lot of other losses that I've encountered in my life. And this all coincides with the fact that I'm writing a memoir, which is basically unearthing all of that uh you know, trauma and um, navigating relationships and things not working out and stuff like that. Um, It has been, I will say that this particular um, loss that I've had to navigate through has been the most difficult um, challenge I've ever had to face in my entire life which is insane to me because I'm writing a memoir and I was joking, you know, dark sense of humor, joking with my therapist yesterday. I'm like, in my memoir, you will learn about how I have been chased at gunpoint um, as a young child, right? Uh, In a Walmart parking lot. Um, You'll have to read the book to get the full story on that one. But you know, when I think about, okay, I've been through some shit. I've been through a lot of trauma. I've been through a lot 
for something for me to say like this is the most shattering thing that has ever emotionally has ever impacted me um it's pretty huge and um you know i'm still navigating it i'm still working with my therapist to kind of understand the grief process and it you know i'm no even though i am a therapist who has worked with countless people through the grief process and i understand it intellectually and how to help people navigate it you can't do it for yourself you have to have um an outside source to help you when you're going through it so i've definitely been in some grief counseling um you know even um i earlier this year i fired my therapist that i had um been seeing for like 4 years because of an issue that I had with her. But um, since then, I had kind of just been focusing on other forms of self-care. Um, but as things started to unravel with this particular, you know, relationship that has now fallen apart, um, I looked into finding another therapist. And I even went through, you know, I talk, um, that's another thing about therapy or mental health that is worth mentioning is that it's hard to find a good therapist. Uh, you know, as a therapist, people call me um, inquiring if I'm taking new clients and stuff like that. And they leave a voicemail. I call them back and I'm like, hi, it's John Zell. I'm just returning your call. Um, whether I can take them or not, I call them back, right? And people, you would, the amount of relief they have just knowing that somebody called them back is because they tell me they're like I've called 20 people and you're the first person to call me back or you're the first person to answer the phone that is heartbreaking to hear um and it is really messed up um that there are therapists out here who don't bother to call people back and so as a person who was you know looking for a therapist for myself I encountered that firsthand because I called so many people and I was more specific this time I was like I want a black therapist and because that was part of the issue with my last one is that there was some, you know, racial insensitivity. And I was just like, I want a black therapist this time. So in doing that, even the black therapists weren't calling me back. Um, and it was very um, discouraging. But I started with one therapist. She was absolutely terrible, read paperwork to me for the entire first session and did not budge when I was just like, hey, can I talk about why I'm really here? Can we do the paperwork later or whatever? And she just very robotic. It was a terrible fit. Never went back to see her. And then I was discouraged by that. I was like, you know what? I barely got anybody to answer the phone. And then I get this lady who did not do right by me in this first session. I was just really over it. But then uh, my editor actually told me, you know, my writing editor, she was like, no, you need to go back out there and find somebody. Because I had written a piece about how terrible that um, first session was. I'll link it in this um, uh, episode's um, show notes so that you can read that um, story. But yeah, so I, I, I was able to find somebody who was a good fit. And as of this recording, I think I've had about five sessions uh, with this new therapist, and it is a good fit. And we are really um, rolling with, you know, working through the grief process. So I'm grateful. Um, it, you know, there are days where I am feeling good and feeling like I'm coming out of the dark cloud of this, like, season of my life where I've really been struggling. And then there are days where 
I am just, you know, really, really struggling. So it's grief is not a linear process, but I I am navigating it and I will come out of the other side stronger. So I, I'm very grateful to have the current therapist that I'm seeing. So I'm going to try to keep this brief. So uh, let me just wrap up with some good things because I just got a little heavy with y'all, but uh, some good things that are coming up. So I told you about my writer's workshop uh, that is coming up. So I will be headed to Cape Cod in about a month to do that. I'm really excited. This week, uh, at the time of this recording, um, it was at least announced that Lauren Hill, who I love, um, is doing a um, concert in D.C., uh, and there's going to be a reunion with the Fugees. And the second I learned about that, I went right on to Ticketmaster and uh, proceeded the to <laughs> I started the process of trying to find tickets. And let's just talk about Ticketmaster for just a second. I did not realize, you know, we tell kids, oh, you'll never need calculus and algebra or whatever. Truly buying tickets on Ticketmaster, you need to know calculus, algebra, you need prayer, you need uh, hydration, you need to stand on one leg in a rainstorm while upside down twerking in order to get the fucking tickets that you want. It is unreal how difficult it is to get tickets to an event. That process, stressful as hell. But I got my tickets to see Miss Lauren Hill in the Fugees. Floor seats is the first time I've ever gotten floor seats to a concert. I'm not playing. I will be in DC and I will see this concert and it is gonna give everything that it needs to give. So that's something that I'm really excited about. Uh, for those who don't know, I have been planning to visit West Africa for the first time ever. That is coming up in December. Um, so um, I'm sure that will be prominently featured in my book as well. Furthermore, with self-care, in addition to, of course, going to therapy, taking my medication, and all of the things that I tell my clients to do, I have recently really gotten into yoga, especially during this time of processing all this grief and things like that. I absolutely love it. I use the Peloton app. Um, there's an instructor on there that is really cool that I just follow all of her videos and do those. It makes me feel strong. It makes me feel grounded. It makes me feel at peace. It makes me feel like I'm being present. It is everything. Um, it also helps with staying in shape too. So there's that. Of course, exercising. I recently uh, switched gyms. I'm going to the Y near my house. I actually either run there or ride my bike because it's like 1.3 miles. Um, so exercise is a big part of self-care. Also uh, meditation. I have a on-again, off-again relationship with that practice, but I'm trying um, to incorporate that as well as journaling and obviously just writing um, as a form of self-care. So tried to cram all that in. Um, First of all, thank you all for listening if you've made it this far in the episode. Um, this is me coming back after a break uh, on this podcast. This podcast is going to continue to, I want to focus on mental health, 
especially for folks of color. It is incredibly important to me as a person of color, as a person who did not grow up understanding that mental health is something that can be talked about and to create safe places for it. So here we are. Um, thank you for joining in. We, I'm going to try to line up some interviews or book reviews or whatever. I haven't fully grasped or thought about what I'm going to do for this fall season, but definitely stay tuned. Uh, but thank you for listening in the meantime, and y'all take care of yourself, and we will catch you back next time.